Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 197. Have you ever dreamed of visiting Cuba? Royal Caribbean has begun offering cruises to this once off-limits Caribbean country, and that raises a number of questions of what it's like to take a cruise to Havana. This week, we'll talk to a listener who just returned from the first ever Royal Caribbean cruise to Cuba and discuss what's different about a sailing there, what to expect in Cuba, and other tips for someone who's looking to visit for the first time. Here we go. By far, there's no destination that Royal Caribbean sails to that gets nearly as much interest or intrigue as Cuba. Cuba has captured the imagination of so many people who are looking not only to visit the island, but be able to take a Royal Caribbean cruise to go there. And recently, Royal Caribbean just had its first couple sailings arrive in Cuba. In fact, one of our listeners was able to be on the very first sailing to Cuba on board Royal Caribbean's Empress of the Seas, and she's rejoining us here on the podcast to tell us all about it. It is Haley from DoItWithAFlare.com. Haley, welcome back to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Hey, 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 Matt. How's it going? It is good. A little post-cruising blues, but it's all good. <laughs> uh, we've all been there. It's awful. But I'm so glad you're able to join us here because uh, this is such a cool, interesting thing. And, and certainly, as I said at the beginning, you know, it, it, Cuba is at the tip of everybody's tongue these days because uh, Royal Caribbean and some other cruise lines as well have begun offering cruises to Cuba, which, you know, this is a brand new opportunity, somewhere new to see, and so close to the United States. And there's so much intrigue, really. And the fact that you got to go on literally the first Royal Caribbean sailing, be part of that history, must have been an incredible story. So I wanted to share that experience with our listeners for anybody who's maybe considering going to Cuba or already has a Cuba sailing booked one way or the other. I'm hoping that this will be helpful. So, um, Haley, let's start off with something simple, which is if you're going to – when you're approaching a cruise to Cuba, what are some differences – before you even get on board the ship, before you get to Cuba or anything like that, what are some pre-cruise differences that are worth noting about taking a Royal Caribbean cruise to Cuba? So when it comes to Cuba, um, there is a lot of research that kind of goes behind it. It's definitely not a place where you can per se just wing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I did a lot of researching trying to figure out what's around you. Cause I mean, when you go there, there's no cell service, their Wi-Fi hotspots are extremely limited. You have to, um, actually purchase if you want a Wi-Fi card. I couldn't find any place that did it. Um, and I kind of ran out of time anyways, but I mean, you're very limited. They don't, you know, typically take credit cards. Um, you know, there's the currency switch. There's just, there's a lot of research that goes into um, traveling to Cuba that you're not per se used to when going to other destinations. Makes sense. I mean, certainly this is, it's almost like, honestly, it, it sounds a lot like, you know, if there's a brand new cruise port that no one's gone to, like when Falmouth was new, right? If you're talking about somewhere that, that you haven't had thousands of people taking a cruise to, it can be kind of daunting in order to try to find, you know, what there is to do, what's good, what's not good, what it really is all about. And, you know, certainly I think going through uh, some of this, you know, with Cuba, it's going to be like that for a little bit in terms of when you're looking for, um, uh, what what to experience now there are some things you have to understand about taking a cruise to cuba that are different than taking a cruise to anywhere else in the caribbean and this is not just the basics of the fact that you're visiting cuba versus other countries uh, you do need a passport it's required for all guests it must be valid for up to six months after their trip so no expiring passports here um, you also tell you also get a visa through royal caribbean right it, it does cost you money but royal caribbean takes care of it 
Yes, they do. Um, we received that when we went um, and did our pre-boarding information, like you felt if you're sick or not. And then um, you they charge you for your visas right there and they give them to you. And one thing that's really important about the visas is the day that you're in Cuba, you have to fill them out with your passport number and stuff on them and you cannot make a single mistake on that like you can't cross anything out or else you have to rebuy another 75 dollar visa wow all right note to self matt's never <laughs> filling out a visa because i would screw that up immediately <laughs> i was so cautious because i had mine and my daughters to do them like <laughs> yeah practicing Haley's yeah. spelled with an h okay i got that part <laughs> Uh, now, tell us about the travel affidavit, what that is, and what you have to do with it. So the travel affidavit, it's broken down into three spots. There's one that you would uh, check off if you were doing a full-day tour through Royal Caribbean. The second one is if you're doing a part-day tour through Royal uh, Royal Caribbean and then people-to-people. And then the third one is you have to qualify under a a certain criteria there's 13 different ones like education journalism and whatnot um i went with part b because i did a half day tour with royal caribbean and then the other half on my own i debated about going under the journalism flag for my blog but since it's still a little bit unknown i kind of played it on the safe side and i'm kind of glad that i did because i got a lot out of it that's good to hear so yeah there's a there's a number of requirements. These are the general license requirements. Basically, in order to go to Cuba, you can't. It's not like going to Mexico. Mexico, you can go over there and you can do whatever you want. That's legal, right? In Cuba, not so much. The, the, this is a U.S. government law, not a Cuban law, by the way. But the U.S. law basically says you can only travel to Cuba if you're doing certain things. There's certain categories of travel in which it's okay to visit under. And there's a certain. And depending on what your shore excursion, if you book through Royal Caribbean, all the shore excursions that Royal Caribbean offers include fall under one of those categories, but you need to be aware of it and which ones there are. Certainly, if you're going, there are other op- options beyond what Royal Caribbean offers, but you have to make sure they fall within one of these. Otherwise, you're going to deal with the U.S. government on your way back, and I'm going to venture. I guess it's probably not a fun thing to do. <laughs> no, definitely not. And I mean, what they kind of told us is, you know, just kind of keep a note of where you're going and what you're doing. Um, so if you did get asked any questions, you can just be like, this is where I want, if you were off on your own. What did you pick? Which excursions did you pick and why? I went with the four-hour walking tour. And it's also because I'm not one of those people that likes to do full-day structured excursions. I think they're kind of tiring. And I like to tailor um, to, into specific needs of what I want to see. And what ended up being really great about our tour is it gave you a really nice overview of, you know, old Havana and Havana itself. So that later in the afternoon, because I did the AM session, that I felt comfortable going out and walking around after. Nice. So basically you wanted to provide yourself enough time to to uh, have your time on your own, essentially. Absolutely. Okay. We'll talk about that excursion in a second. I just want to go through some of these other things that are important to to do what about the banking restrictions from what i understand you're not allowed to use u.s dollars in cuba is that accurate that is right so cuba has two different currencies there's the cuban convertible peso which you hear them call it cuc and then there's the cuban peso which is the cube the cup tourists are the ones that use the cukes locals use the coops so if you are going to go exchange your currency, there's a place in the port to do it. They did say some hotels could do it. I 
attempted to do that later on because they told us to wait before we exchanged our money for my tour. But the hotel I went to couldn't do it. Mm. So, um, but the one tricky thing is, though, if you're exchanging U.S. dollars, they um, charge a 10% exchange fee on U.S. dollars only. So a lot of people um, were exchanging the euros and Canadian dollars before going. Like I flew out of Buffalo, New York, so I just hopped over the Peace Bridge 10 minutes from my hotel, changed out my money. Because, I mean, it also depends on how much you're bringing, too. I brought over $200 with me, and, I mean, that's 20 bucks. <laughs> you know, $20 yeah. is $20. So I just hopped over the Peace Bridge, came back over. I got some really weird looks from customs, but it was all good. But, no, you're supposed to use the uh, the cukes when you're there. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so you have the banking researchers. There's some other things here. I'm looking at Royal Caribbean's list. Some of these are just more, like, I think, obvious things. They say uh, to carry ashore, they recommend bring your passport, your visa, your visa as in the visa for the country, not the credit card necessarily, uh, yeah. C-Pass card and cash. Are there any other things that you would recommend as important to bring on shore? Um, definitely a camera. <laughs> definitely a camera <laughs> would be my first pick. Um, and then just kind of a little um, notebook to kind of keep track of where you are. Yes, you can keep track in your phone, but as much as I fall, in that, fall into that millennial category, I like having some pen and paper. Just so I can remember things for when I go back to. Um, but otherwise, I, I mean, based on doing my tour, if you're doing a tour with Royal Caribbean, I wouldn't worry about bottled water because we got offered like four different times to get bottled water throughout our trip. Oh, um, that's good. <laughs> so that <laughs> was really it. And I would just say keep an open mind. Sure. Let's let's. let's... It's, a, <laughs> it's very different. <laughs> Oh, absolutely! Yeah, let's let's talk about that. You get off the ship, your Empress docks. You get off the ship here, and your start your tour is up first. Is that right? Yes, my tour is up first. Um, we were a little delayed getting in, but we ended up getting extra port time because of the delay. Um, so when you get off the boat, you go straight to customs, and you're lined up. There's about ten or twelve different lines, and I mean, it took us about twenty minutes to get through. And that's part of the reason we were also delayed getting off the boat, too, is just because the customs lines were pretty long. Um, so when you go in, you end up giving them your visa, you give them your passport, hat, sunglasses need to be off. They take a picture of you when you wow. go through and you stamp your passport. And after you get through that portion, you have to go through like a security checkpoint with the metal detectors, put your bag through. And then once you get through that, there's the, a couple gift shops, a currency exchange area, um, and then downstairs is where all the tours take off by the um, right across the street from the Plaza de San Francisco. And that's where it starts. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So you did the is it did you do the old Havana Heritage walking tour? Is that the one you did? Yes, that's nice. the one that I did. Okay, uh, four hours. I'll just I'll read the description for our, our listeners. Discover Havana's captivating history and cultural charms on a half-day adventure that includes a guided walking tour through the city's old quarter. And um, what did you think about the tour? So I, I'm really excited. I actually ended up doing a post on it myself. This walking tour ended up being so much more than it says. So first thing is you are not walking for four hours. <laughs> We're going to start with that. You're not walking for four hours. Um, you start off in the Plaza de San Francisco. Um, you end up making your way over to Plaza Vieja, um, Plaza de Arms. And it's maybe, we walked for about an hour and a half, but I wouldn't say, like, it says strenuous, but 
my six-year-old handled it like a champ and never complained. Nobody in my group really complained because you get to stop a lot. And what was nice about this tour is it was slow enough pace where I could kind of lag behind a little bit to get the photo shots that I want, any video footage without having big crowds of people around me. Hmm. But I mean, you just got little tidbits as you went. And then once we got over by the um, Plaza de Arms, it goes into the, I think it's pronounced Melicon or Melicone, right by the seaway, the channel that you sail through. We actually got on a bus. <laughs> oh, a walking tour is a bus tour. <laughs> yes, it turned into a bus tour. And um, once we got on the bus, it, we got a really nice side shot view of Havana. We ended up driving over to a restaurant where we got to sample mojitos. We got to sample rum. We got to sample uh, Cuban coffee. And we got a cigar to take with us. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Full service. It was. I like was not expecting it. I mean, for forty nine dollars, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> sign me up. So um, after that, we they were taking us to a shop where they said that we could buy cigars and rum. They did say that this shop took U.S. dollars and Canadian dollars. So we went to the shop. It was closed. So they took us to a second one that was closed, and we ended up running into that because it was Sunday. Ah. So that was a factor for us. So then um, we ended up coming back over by Plaza de Arms where they picked us up. And there was a couple little cafes and store, a little store that sold cigars and stuff like that. And what I found really interesting is that in this store, they were taking U.S. dollars, which we were told the whole entire time is a huge no-no. As well as the Cuban convertible pesos. But when I went to pay for, um, my mother wanted me to get cigars for her new husband. Uh, with Canadian dollars, they wouldn't take them. And I'm like, okay, Canadians have traveled here for like ever. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, okay, that's your thing. But what was nice is when we started the tour, we did get to see a couple little um, shops in the beginning of the tour. And that's where after this tour, I went back to the port, exchanged my money and just went back to those places. Um, but where you end up at the Plaza de Arms, um, or Armas, pardon me, it's only about a two, three block walk back to the port. Like everything is really like all the big sightseeing sites are really within a walking distance. I wouldn't say this would be a tour for somebody that, um, per se needs, you know, wheelchair accessibility. Right. But, um, I mean, it was, it was a really good bang for the buck and I, found that the description i mean there's so much more to this tour and i guarantee they'd probably sell a lot more of them <laughs> and possibly <laughs> even for a higher price people knew they got to sample mojitos rum and cuban coffee <laughs> and got a cigar <laughs> and got a cigar to take with them you know i'll point out that the what Hale is referring to is if you look at royal caribbean's cruise planner for any shore excursion there's different like levels of acti activity levels to kind of give you an idea of what to expect. And I do agree that in general, most of the time they tend to overestimate or over exaggerate the, the level of activity required. I think in, in the case of if you're, if it's not a complete bus ride the entire time, if you have to do any walking, they consider it a strenuous activity and it's just to <laughs> hedge their bets, right? It's better to give you the experience you experience than tell someone, Oh yeah, it's an easy walk in the park. And before you know, you're climbing like Mount Everest, right? It's like, you know, better to, Better to go that route. Um, 
it makes it, it sounds like a pretty cool pretty cool tour to be able to to see that and i'm seeing that on i don't know what you paid for it when you booked it but on Royal Caribbean's website i'm seeing it's it's starting at 59 dollars per adult which isn't a bad price for four hours you know for a, a walking no, absolutely. tour it, it's gone up 10 bucks since i booked it, it was 49 dollars for um my sailing i think the only thing is i'll tag into kind of like what i said with it not being maybe the most handicap accessible tour is you need to keep in mind that when you're traveling to a place like this ADA type things don't exist. Yeah. So, I mean, you're really much better off guiding through the cruise line for something like that. Yeah, there's, so there's a, a lot of cobblestone of- and all that jazz. Oh, sure. It's imagine the old San Juan, but without ADA anything, right? Yeah. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of, it definitely reminded me of old San Juan a little bit, but it definitely had its own flair to it. Sure. It's almost like they were both designed by the same people. Huh. I know. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll do some more research on that angle. Um, so the other question I had about the money was, this is my concern, is did they say anything they, I assume, Royal Caribbean? Did anybody tell you what happens if you don't spend all your money? I mean, I enjoy a nice souvenir as much as the next guy, but if I got $100 in, in Cuban pesos, do you get it back? Will they take it back? Will they be able to exchange it? Yes, you can exchange it um, back when you came through. I did keep a couple because I like to collect sometimes local money just to have for myself. Um, But you can exchange it right back. But it's just if you're going with that U.S. dollar, they kind of take advantage of it. And what um, I mentioned to my tour guide, the issue that we had in that one shop where they took U.S. dollars because he didn't go in because it was kind of a small space. And he was saying, um, and this tour guide, like he's paid by Royal Caribbean, but he's local to Cuba. Um, and he was saying that they're not technically allowed to be taking U.S. dollars, like at all. Like it's actually supposedly illegal for them, but <laughs> you know, their prerogative, not my thing. <laughs> YOLO. <laughs> um, my so you finish the tour, and then I assume you had some time to for to do stuff on your own. I did. Um, one of the things that we did because we had to wait to exchange our currency after because that's what they told us to do. Um, I would say based on how long security took for us, if I could go back and do it again, I would have exchanged it right there in the beginning because it took everybody a while to get through customs and uh, security. Hmm. Um, But I just went walked right back to the ports about three blocks, exchanged my money, um, came back down, and then I wanted to walk back towards um, Plaza Vieja. That was probably my favorite. And that is the picture that is used – that's the location that's used for the Heritage Walking Tour photo. That's Plaza Vieja. Yeah, I'll, by the way, I'll yeah. post the link in our show notes to uh, Haley's uh, Walking Tour review that she did at Haley. Uh, actually, I have it. It's HaleyWithTheFlare.com? I thought it was DoWithTheFlare.com. Am I wrong? It, it will still route, but um, oddly enough, when I started the whole thing, um, it was just a hobby. And then when I went to link up social media channels, Do it with the Flare was not available, so I just bought both. <laughs> and kind of played it up. No, there definitely is a little. I condensed that tour into ten minutes, nice. so you can get an overview and a feel for it. Yeah, I'll post um, a link for that. Um, but on your own, what was your experience like? Was it what you thought it would be? How did it match up? Um, <laughs> I think it, it definitely was what I expected. Um, like Jeff, on the other hand, and I think a lot of people that cruise with us have this expectation of you know, this untapped world of, you know, mm-hmm. scary things that could happen, like, you know, just so much unknown sure. <laughs> was going on. I mean, and it was to an extent, but like I kept reminding you, know, like Jeff and the, our friends that we were traveling with, I'm like, you realize Canadians have been coming here for like years. 
Australians, yeah, everybody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's really not that bad. And honestly, the people were just very friendly. Um, there are going to be ladies with big fat cigars dressed in Santeria garb when you get off the ship that want to take pictures with you, but they expect to be paid for it. Just FYI, random side note. <laughs> um, that happens in Times Square, by the way. So it's no yeah. different. Yeah, naked cowboy, you know, whatever. It's yeah. thing. <laughs> but I mean, the people were very friendly, very helpful. Um, and what I liked about going back after, like Plaza VA has this very big, open, colorful plaza. When we walked back, there was so much more life in it. Because I mean, we were there around nine thirty in the morning. And our tour guide said that Colombians or Colombians Cubans are kind of lazy and they're not up that early on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> not to make generalizations or anything, but no, I mean he said it wasn't me. You know? <laughs> Trying to keep it PC over here, but um, so by the time we walked back over there, it was about one thirty, and I wanted to sample some local Cuban food because <laughs> you know why not? Of course, who knows when I'll be there next? Even though I plan to go back. Um, but there's just so much life back in the plaza. There are people, you know, playing music. And we saw that lots of places everywhere. But, like, there were little, you know, street vendors selling ice cream, um, you know, outdoor patios set up off of the restaurants. It was just this really beautiful um, – you got a real sense of the culture and the people being able to walk back through after. Nice. Uh, what was the – how did you feel the financial state was in the sense of you – know, were things really cheap? Did you feel as an American? Did you feel they were more on par with, I don't know, a Puerto Rico or a – or I mean, it's Puerto Rico, Mexico or a, or a Nassau, Bahamas? I mean, what it, did you feel like you know, it was an inexpensive place, a relatively you – know, were you paying essentially American prices because they <laughs> saw you guys coming and it was kind of one of those things or – how did you um, find the, the pricing of things in general? I'd say it was a little cheaper than American pricing. For example, I'm going to pull up a receipt here. So where we got lunch, we got lunch at this little restaurant um, that didn't really have a name on it <laughs> in Plaza Vieja. And we got a Cuban sandwich. I got this dish of this pineapple chicken, which was amazing. Oh, I can't even. Anyways, <laughs> it came with like a side of It was so good. And I'm not like a fruit with meat kind of person, but this was, this is really good. Um, so they, I, um, we got this appetizer, which was this giant seafood salad. I mean, portion sizes were huge. Um, and three soft drinks and it came to 2875 in the cukes. But it had options underneath um, where if you were to pay with the cube, it would have been $718.75. And if you paid with U.S. dollar, it would have been $40.25. And what you find when you look at any currency exchange app, and I can send you the link to the one that I use because it does work offline based, of what, based off of what the most recent exchange was when you were online. Mm-hmm. It's about a dollar for dollar, the cube to the U.S. dollar. So, I mean, if you paid with the U.S. dollar and not exchanging at this place, you would have been charged more money. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I didn't think about 30 bucks for two entrees, uh, appetizer, and drinks was bad. It's not bad in the United States. I mean, I kind of, to be honest with you, I feel like that's the old gringo discount. It's the, you know, <laughs> do, do, do I think the locals are paying $15 for a meal? I kind of doubt that. I don't call me crazy but i it's hard to say also because um 
yeah, this is like, the, I've never been there, A. So let me throw that out there. <laughs> Only one of us has been there. The other question was, actually, are you curtailed in any way from going anywhere? Like, could you hop in a car and drive across the island if you wanted to? <laughs> this is going to be a funny way to answer that. So the way that they explained it, and you could kind of see it, but because there's so many old cars, and they are gorgeous old cars, Yeah. Um, sometimes they don't break as well as they could (laughs) that's what we were kind of told and you can kind of see some instances of that um would i feel comfortable to just drive all over the island i don't think so just yet i don't think so yet i'm gonna put a yet in there um would i feel comfortable if i went again and finding a taxi and paying them to take me say like 20 minutes in the other direction to like santa maria beach absolutely so what you're saying is I need to start a brake pad business in Cuba. All right, Matt's brakes. Yeah. I can do that. I can totally make a lot of money doing that. I think that's a, I think it's a business plan right there. So, yeah, there your, uh, so looking back on it now, Haley, what would be your give us some, give us some recommendations for someone who's going to go to Cuba on Empress of the Seas? Because right now that is the only real cruise ship that offers cruises there. There are some rumors that Majesty may, but you know that may time will tell. But nonetheless, if you're going to Cuba, what are some tips for somebody who's looking to go? Uh, for their first time? Honestly, I would definitely say um, do one of the part day tours in the morning because I think it's really important to get a good foundation of the area because it's not like, you know, Puerto Rico is, you know, a U.S. territory. Like there's, you know, kind of that sense of security about it. And while this is very similar it's still a little unknown. So I would definitely do a morning half day tour, be it the three hour panoramic or the heritage walking tour, get your ground and go from there. If it's your first time, I actually plan on going back. I want to go back and do it again. Um, Cause there's some other things that are nearby that I'd like to see. And it's actually a destination. I might even fly to and do a land vacation. I know what are those, but, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, That'd be the biggest thing. Um, exchanging your money before you get out of the port would be another um, big tip of mine. And then three is just really bring an open mind. I mean, sometimes I think people get annoyed by like the street people that, you know, want money for playing music. And I mean, and Jeff even got, I don't want to say con, but <laughs> got into playing the Morocco with this guy that then wanted a tip and, I don't begrudge at that, but I mean, these people, they, they live on the equivalent of 25 us dollars a month, roughly. Oh, sure. And I mean, that's the way they make their living. And I mean, and this opens up a whole new frontier. I mean, every, you know, Cuban citizen I ran into is very, very welcoming, very helpful. And I mean, when you sailed in, they were just excited for you to come in anyway. So just open mind and then maybe you bring your camera and get ready for something kind of stepping into a different point of time like it almost feels like you went backwards a little bit but in a good way interesting what would be your uh by the way you mentioned food earlier is anything you would recommend to try as a must eat oh my gosh so it's this place it's right next to um the cafe in plaza vieja i have a picture of it i'm posting some pictures and i'll send you some of these food pictures this pineapple chicken oh my lord (laughs) it was so good i'm like you know, like I said earlier, I don't like typically like fruit with my meat. I think Hawaiian 
pizza is disgusting. I don't do, <laughs> I typically don't do stuff like that. I'm very savory, spicy kind of person, but this was, it was amazing. And then there's actually a little street vendor in Plaza Vieja that sells ice cream, but it's not traditional ice cream. It's actually lactose free and dairy free because it's made out of coconut water, coconut sugar, coconut um, cream. Oh. And they sell like popsicles and stuff. And it's like $2. Like two, two of the, uh, you know, the Cuban uh, convertibles. And, you know, I just say grab a little street food like that and walk around and just soak up the area around you. Those would definitely be my tips, though. <laughs> awesome. Well, of course, we'll, I'll post a link in our show notes uh, back to Haley's website, HaleyWithAFlare.com. And you can check that out. <laughs> Haley, thank you so much for sharing the information with us. I, it's uh, it's very cool stuff. And I'll also make a sh- – well, I'm shamelessly plugging. I'll shamelessly plug myself. Well, it's actually not myself, but – Michael Orp. Anyway, it is shameless to plug for our good friend uh, Billy. He's going to be live blogging on Empress of the Seas, going to Cuba as well, and he'll be doing that uh, at blog.com. I'll post a link in the show notes to where you can find Billy's live blog. So if you're saying, man, I can't, I want more stuff about Cuba on Royal Caribbean, well, there you go. You can read up, you can read up on Haley's stuff in the meantime, and then follow that up with Billy when he goes on there. So, Haley, thank you so much for talking Royal Caribbean with us again. Well, thank you. And you can never read too much on Cuba. I highly promise that. <laughs> absolutely last question before i let you go Haley. what is your next royal caribbean cruise you've got booked um right now i have oasis booked february 18th of next year i'm kind of a winter cruiser because i love my summers up here in new york but i'm also debating about booking this super bowl cruise everybody talks about that's february 2nd just gotta see the airfare scenario but i mean i'm just renaming it to my birthday cruise because my birthday is february 2nd just saying (laughs) awesome thanks Haley absolutely all right it's time to answer your Royal Caribbean questions this is the part of the podcast where I answer the emails that I've gotten from all of you and of course if you want to send me an email about your Royal Caribbean cruise or question or just something on your mind about Royal Caribbean cruising this is your opportunity send me an email matt m-a-t-t at royalcaribbeanblog.com matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com our first email this week is from Dan Ritz Matt love the blog and the podcast it's helping me do exactly as intended getting excited about my upcoming cruise 21 months away fortunately I have cruised on Royal Caribbean many times before and generally know what to expect when it comes to staying in a suite but when it comes to this Royal Suite class do you think that some or most of these perks will ever make it to the Freedom Class of ships? I'll be staying in a Royal Suite, got it for a great price for the first time, and it seems like I shouldn't expect more than those Suite Life perks posted on the Royal Caribbean website. I'd love to receive free Voom, Beverage Package, and other Royal Class Suite perks, but I have no idea what will be a different in 2019. I've read many different posts about upcoming changes, but wanted to consult the Master of Cruise News. Any insight you have would be very helpful. Dan's a great question. Dan's going on Freedom of the Seas, which is a Freedom-class ship, but the Royal Suite class is only available on Oasis-class ships and Quantum-class ships, and Dan wants to know, well, Freedom-class is somewhat close in size to Oasis-class. I mean, they're all smaller than Oasis, but it's in the ballpark, you know what I mean, in the conversation. Could they add Royal Suite-class perks to a Freedom-class ship? And from what I've heard to this point, the answer to that is no. Essentially, the reason why it's not just about offering the perks, it's about offering the experience. The reason why Royal Caribbean redid their suite offerings on these on Oasis class ships and Quantum class ships was to offer guests an experience that was certainly on par with 
a land-based suite experience, somewhat akin to if you were to go to like Las Vegas or New York City and stay in a suite. They want to give you that kind of level of you know true suite experience. And when you're on an Oasis class ship or Quantum class ship, they have the real estate, the space on board to make that happen. Freedom class ship, despite the fact that it is a rather large ship, is not doesn't have nearly as much space as those other two classes of ships, and thus therein lies the problem. So. Do I think they're going to add them for the time you got on board? I'm going to pro- if I if it were me, Dan, let me put it this way. If it were me and I was in your situation, I would not expect it. I wouldn't even uh, I don't even know how to say I'd hope for it. I'm not sure it's really realistically going to happen just because they've made no inclinations about it and in fact, they've said multiple times that it will not go to other classes of ships at, the, at least at this time. Now, can things change? Absolutely. And certainly we'll post about it at realcrimeblog.com if uh, if anything does change, but my crystal ball, which is very murky, and was made in China, and, and I got it from a dollar store. Does not show me much uh, right now. Next, we have an email from Ashley who writes, Matt, love your blog. The articles and podcasts are super helpful. We went on Enchantment of the Seas cruise a couple of years ago and recently booked Anthem of the Seas for May. We have some questions since you just took an, an Anthem cruise. Number one, we had a great time on Enchantment and liked that it was easy to get around. We've never been on a mega ship before. Do you find that Anthem was really crowded? Was it hard to get tables in the Windsor Air or find quiet places to sit in the solarium? Great question, Ashley. So I didn't feel like the crowds were that much of an issue. I think one of the advantages of the Quantum class ships and the Oasis class ships are the way that Royal Caribbean organizes these ships in terms of the flow. They really do make it not feel like a sardine can. And so for a lot of folks who are maybe new to the mega ships, they're like, oh boy, it's, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of people on board and it's going to be totally crowded everywhere. There's going to be lines everywhere. Not the case. In fact, the Windjamer I found to be very easy to navigate. There was a, It's a huge one, by the way, even much larger than the Oasis class uh, Windjammer. And for that reason, I think it's very good. Um, so yeah, I don't think you're going to have that much issue with crowds. The Solarium, you know what? I found every ship I've been on there can't. I mean, if you try to roll into the Solarium at noon on a sea day, yeah, it's going to be busy in there. But that's true of every Solarium on every Royal Caribbean ship. I don't think that's unfair to say there. But I think that if you are active, proactive or you come in the evening, I think you'll be able to find space. Uh, next, Ashley wants to say, uh, we're doing my time dining for the first time. We made our nightly reservations in the cruise planner already. Do you know if we'll be assigned specifically to American Icon Grill or Silk, or do we just show up to either one and tell them we have a reservation? It's a great question. I don't know exactly how they handle that because those two, the two restaurants that are designated for my time dining, but certainly they will let you know with your reservations when you get on board there, Ashley. Ashley also says, we made our dinner reservation for two because my husband and I are pretty shy. Quiet people prefer that. As far as I know, my time dining is supposed to be accommodated table for two. Is there any scenario where they put us at a larger table with other people? They can if they don't tell them ahead of time. What I would do, Ashley, is just remind them, hey, we're here as Ashley and Ashley's husband, and uh, we, <laughs> we have a reservation here for two at seven o'clock and request to have a table for two. You might have to wait a little bit longer for a table for two, but they will absolutely make you, uh, you know, help, help you out with that. And lastly, Ashley says, It might sound silly, but the Kemmelwick sandwich was something that factored into our decision on which ship to take. We're addicted to them. As far as I know, they're in 270 on Anthem. Do you happen to see them there? Yes, they're in Cafe 270. The Kemmelwick sandwiches are these roast beef sandwiches in these special buns that are dipped in au jus. And oh my God, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. I'm hungry now. You got to try them. They're available. They first debuted in the Park Cafe on Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas. And they're available on some ships as well, beyond the Oasis class. But Anthem of the Seas is one of them. It's Cafe at 270. I will tell you, Ashley, you'll end up walking by there just to get a sandwich many times of the day. (laughs) Nothing wrong with it. Be proud. 
Next, we have an email from Tracy who writes, Hey, Matt, recently discovered your podcast and love it. I'm sailing on, on Allure, and this will be our seventh cruise, third on Royal Caribbean. I love cruising because it's so cost-efficient. With that in mind, I booked an interior room, as I always do. After listening to your podcast, I really wanted to try a balcony room. Do you have any tips or tricks to upgrade a room after a reservation is made? I also wanted... Well, before we get to the also one. You book a room. Is there any way to upgrade your room after a reservation is made? So, Tracy, if you live in the United States or Canada, or most places that are not the UK, I know the UK, you can't do this, but if you book in the United States or Canada, when you book a cruise, if you're before final payment date, you can cancel or change your booking with no penalty at all. You just... You're the rebooking, canceling, and rebooking one of those variations. Certainly, your travel agent can help you there. If you're past final payment date, technically, you're not allowed to change your reservation. However, if you or your travel agent calls Royal Caribbean and says, Hey, I would love to spend more money on an upgraded room. You know, I was in a balcony. Now I want to book, book a suite. Or I was an inside. I want to book a balcony now. I'm going to spend more money. Generally speaking, not always the case, but generally speaking, Royal Caribbean will look the other way because you're spending more money. Thus, they will take it. So... Ask nicely. Maybe call. You might have to talk to two or three different people, but it usually goes through. So um, that should help you there. Now, if you're in the the reason why I said the UK has different rules, Tracy, and I'm not sure where you live, but uh, you'll have to check locally. But again, it never hurts to ask. Uh-huh. Tracy says I also wanted to share with you one of my biggest cruising pet peeves. With so many ships offering Wi-Fi packages, I feel that the culture and feel of being on a ship and quote getting away from it all quote is lost. I get thoroughly annoyed when attending a show and there's a child singing in front of me playing Angry Birds or someone scrolling through Facebook during the performance. I wish it would disable Wi-Fi in theaters or during performances. Thanks to the podcast. It's a great to listen to when I'm working and counting down the days till my next cruise. So at first, Tracy, I was getting a little... I was blushing over here because I thought you were talking about me, be, people like who are online all the time, which I am. However, if I'm in a show, like in the Royal Theater or 270 or wherever... I don't take out my phone. I feel, I do agree that it's not it's not about getting away from it all. It's just it's rude to have that kind of device. It's not only is it, it for, forget the performers who may or may not see the light. It's rude to your other passengers next to you because you have this all of a sudden there's this light. It's a distraction, right? You're just be focusing on the show. So I do agree with you on, on that aspect of it. However, that being said, I will point out that when I'm not in a show, I am glued to my device and I enjoy it. You know what? Everyone cruises differently. First of all, I'm a geek, and I think you already know that, Tracy. So there's that. I will also point out that I like sharing the cruise experience. Not sure you're checking Facebook and seeing what Aunt Dawn is writing, but also I think to some extent you're sharing the experience. You're sending photos back home. You're, you know, you're you're taking. I take photos and videos of the children and, and share that with my parents and my in-laws who who get a kick out of that because they can't be there with us. And um, you know, I I think it has its place. I certainly don't feel like it's any different. I this is an arguable debate and. <laughs> I am sure someone's going to email me about this one. I don't think there's any difference between being online and that being a distraction versus reading a book and that being a distraction. The point in either case, on a a very general level, you are not paying attention to what's going on in the ship. You're just, you're in your own little world there. And again, I don't think either is bad. I just think there are different ways of doing it. And it is what it is. But that's a discussion for another day at the R bar when we're on board the ship and I can debate the virtues of it. I would love to get in that kind of <laughs> discussion. But I hear what you're saying. When you're in the shows, yes, I'm agreeing with you, Tracy. If you're watching the show in the Royal Theater, yeah, you put the phone back in your pocket, right? I like it. Next, we have an email from Johanna. I hope I said that right name 
correctly. Johanna from Norway. First of all, love the podcast. My husband and I are taking our first ever cruise in May for our honeymoon. Sailing from Barcelona on a 12-night cruise to the Mediterranean on Brilliance of the Seas. We're so excited. Thanks for all the tips you have given us during the show. We're considering booking our next cruise whilst on our first cruise because why not? There seems to be great benefits, and once we begin sailing, we're sure we're going to love it. I have a question, though. I watched the video about Labadee, and I'm totally sold. I really want to go there. However, I really want to go to St. Lucia, as it's one of the top destinations I'm to do on my list. However, I can't seem to find a cruise with both. Is it just they're never on the same itinerary? Really want to stay with Royal Caribbean, so I'm, look- so I'm not looking at other cruise lines, though I'm sure I don't have to explain that to you. Thanks so much for your help, and keep up the great work. That's a great question, and the answer is, generally speaking, no, they're not on the same. The reason being that St. St. Lucia tends to be a Southern Caribbean itinerary, whereas Labadee's on a Western Caribbean itinerary, and there's not many stops that include both. I'm trying to think. I know that Anthem of the Seas does a Southern Caribbean, but it also makes other stops along the way. But if you're not finding it on there, maybe even Grandeur of the Seas as well. That goes out of Baltimore. Anthem goes out of New York. I'm not sure you're going to find any. And I'm not surprised to hear that because, again, one is Southern Caribbean, one is Western Caribbean. And it's just like Ghostbusters, Joanna. They don't, you don't cross the streams. You don't cross the the itineraries, as it were, not generally speaking. Which is unfortunate because I agree with you. I would love to do that. I think it makes a lot of sense. I am trying to think. What, there was an itinerary <clears throat> in which we did Labadee. Well, there was one, actually. I take that. I take all that back. Because Navigator, this is what they did in, as the Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise in February of this year, 2017, and they're doing this again in 2018, I know for sure, out of Miami. It's a nine-night cruise, but they stop in Labadee first, and then they go to the Southern Caribbean. Now, I don't know. On our cruise, we didn't go to St. Lucia. We went to Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao. But you might check that, see if there's any variations on that itinerary. Uh, there may be some options, what I'm trying to say. But keep checking, Joanna, and you know, every time there's new releases, you never know. Next up, we have an email from Jen. Right, so we have a cruise planned, and I was going to go book another one on board take advantage of the onboard booking bonus. However, I don't want to spend a lot of time doing this. Any tips for making the process as quick as possible? It's a great question, actually, Jen. I never even thought about this as a question before. So you're going to go on board. You're going to the next cruise office. How do you make it as quick as possible so that we can get back to having fun on board the ship? Easiest way is to know exactly what you want to book. Research before you go on board your, your cruise. So when you're sitting at home, you're listening to this podcast... You know, hop on your computer, start looking at sailings and rooms. So that way, when you get to the next cruise office, you can simply tell them, I want to book this sailing in this room. If you do it that way, assuming that there's a category, they're going to ask you what, you know, which room to pick. So you're going to pick a room and that's basically it. There's not a whole lot to it. I would also recommend you making a reservation for the next cruise desk. So when you go to the next cruise desk, anytime I'm on board, there's a, there's a little book, if you will, of dates, appointments. You can just sign yourself in and, and make an appointment there. So make a reservation so that way you don't have to wait or wait as long. And then have in mind a sailing and a stateroom that you want to book. If you do that right, I mean, you should be in and out in a couple of minutes, really. just It's really just a matter of time of them you know, going through the system, but uh, it'll be a lot faster. What I find where what I find in terms of longer sessions there are people that are, are price checking, people that are comparing different sailings, basically not sure what they want that's going to drive up the time there. So if you know what you want to book ahead of time, then really it's a couple of minutes you'll be in and out. Very, very easy. Next email from Steve in Colorado. Listen to your weekly podcast, and I'm not sure this subject has come up yet. This question is more about you and what you have not done. As a loyal to Royal Caribbean guy, have you cruised on every one of Royal Caribbean's ships? If not, which ones have you missed out on? And which one in particular are you most looking forward to trying? Love the blog. Keep up the good work. Actually, it's a great question, Steve. Thank you. And I haven't done... 
many ships in the fleet. I have not done one Vision class ship. I have not done Empress of the Seas. I've not done a Sovereign class ship, which there's only Ma- uh, Majesty of the Seas left there. I have not done Liberty or Independence of the Seas. I have not done Adventure of the Seas or Voyager of the Seas. I have not done Ovation of the Seas. I will not eat grenades. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so of all those, which one in particular I'm most looking forward to trying out? I think, I, you know, I'm going to say a Vision class ship. It's a class I've never been on before. I've done Radiance class ships before, um, but I haven't done I haven't done a Vision class. So how about Enchantment of the Seas? I've heard so many great things about it. I'm going to put that, although I do reserve the right to change my mind. But right now, Steve, I'm going to say Enchantment of the Seas because I get to try a Vision class ship and... It's not only that, it's a ship that's it's been very talked about quite a bit. Next, we have an email from Daniel On, who writes, Love your blogs, and I live in Silicon Valley. I just locked in under the 1-2 free night sale and saved about $1,250 each for an interior. Nice. On Brilliance of the Seas from Tampa to Amsterdam for my father and I. We're Emerald Crown and Anchor members, and we got a lot of onboard credit for it. Uh, and we also have a discount from a previous selling as well. We don't mind getting the interior cabin because we got an interior on deck nine in the forward area and we may get an upgrade as we select an automatic upgrade. We are only a few cabins from the main cabins that are saving about $300 a night on an ocean view. We don't really need the window and can use the $300 for a nice hotel in Amsterdam and we had an interior on QNR without a problem. We're not that far from the Windjamer main dining room and we got my time dining. We love the serenade and also our cruise on Explorer and Navigators, but it was okay, but not as nice as serenade. Thanks for your tips. Perhaps we can meet up for coffee. I live in Los Gatos, and I'm working to research accessible travel cruising, and perhaps we can collaborate. I love Royal Caribbean as much as you do. I always do the repricing to see if we did it better, even after it's after final payment. I check to see if there's an upgrade available if the price has changed. So, never know. Thank you very much. Daniel, awesome. First of all, you got a great idea. You know what? You don't have to defend your idea of booking an interior room. You're doing it exactly for the right reasons. An interior room, yeah, you're not going to have the view, but maybe you save a little... In fact, you're saving a lot of money here, which you can then turn around and use for, like you said, a hotel in Amsterdam or whatever. Maybe another cruise to book. There's nothing wrong with that. I go back and forth all the time. So I was like, hey, honey, let it roll, right? YOLO, you only live once. Let's let's go out all at it. And then I'm like, honey, let's book an inside room because that's all we can afford. And it's that or no cruise. And I'm going to take that. So you go both ways in there. I don't think you're wrong in either case. So Daniel, hope you have a great time. And I can't wait to hear, by the way about uh, your experience on board. And to your other tip, by the way, yes, I would love to meet I love to meet everybody who's uh, listening to this podcast. And of course, that's why we do the group cruises, which uh, we have a couple coming up. We have Harmony of the Seas in September 2017. We have Explorer of the Seas in June 2018 and Symphony of the Seas in November 2018. And if Daniel or anybody listening to this wants to join us for any or all of those group cruises, all you have to do is go to royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events, royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events for more information. I would love for you to join us for it. It really is a lot of fun. And, uh, and that'll solve our problem, right? We go on a cruise and we get to hang out together, which is even better. We can talk about accessible travel and cruising. So there you go. It's, it's win-win, Daniel, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's have one more email. One more. And it is from Sydney Forrester. Hello, Matt. Hope all is well. I'm reaching out to your opinion on sailing with the Royal Caribbean for the first time. I'm currently booked with another cruise line for 2017 to 2018 cruises, but I would like to expand my cruise experience to Royal Caribbean in 2019 and 2020. Uh, since that, since this is the only major cruise line I have not sailed on. In 2020, I want to plan an elastic cruise. My question is, should I consider Royal Caribbean for that cruise, or should I look to try Royal Caribbean in 2019? Thanks to your podcast, you do a wonderful job and have educated me on the ins and outs of Royal Caribbean. Thank you, Sydney. It's a great uh, email there. So, 
Here's the thing. Uh, booking Alaska for 2020 or 2019, I would tell you that if Alaska comes out, one, they put out the itineraries one year in advance. So as an example, Royal Caribbean released about a month or two ago the Alaska itineraries for 2018 here in early 2017. So if you want to cruise in 2019, they'll release it about a year from now, a little less than that for that, and obviously two years from now for 2020. So <laughs> this really comes down to, Sydney, honestly, a question of how much instant gratification do you want? How quickly do you want to actually want to get on board? I don't know if there's any necessarily any real benefit of waiting to 2020. I mean, I'm kind of of the opinion, and granted, I'm totally biased. Sydney, you already know this. Go in 2019. Why not? Right? That way, work one in 2019, work one another one in 2020. Even better. Because that way, you're on, you go on 2019, you enjoy it, you have a great time, because I know you're going to have an awesome time, and then you book another cruise for 2020 while you're on board the ship. Take advantage of that booking bonus on board, and there you go. You're off to the races. That's kind of the only thing I can see here. So there, there's no advantage one way or the other in terms of, you know, is 2019 better than 2020? Not that I can see, not that I can think of. Uh, so certainly I think you're going to be off to a good start there. And in Sydney, I, as someone who is like yourself, who's been well-versed in the cruising industry, I would love to hear your thoughts. Also, when you get back, kind of share what you think about Royal Caribbean relative to other cruise lines. I think that's always an interesting uh, insight to be able to kind of compare and contrast, you know? So Sydney, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for the wonderful questions. I love talking Royal Caribbean. And of course, you can send me your emails by sending me an email to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Check it on out and make sure you send me an email so that way we can read your questions over here. Thank you, everybody, for checking out the podcast. And, of course, uh, until next time, I'm Matt Hodgeberg, and we'll talk again soon.